Welcome to the Ruby Source podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nick Alpi. Uh, Nick is CTO at Amber Health. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for thanks for joining me. Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me. Of course. Good. Um, so the past few episodes that we've that I've, I've recorded, I've started by uh, very much early on in your career talking about how you got into programming, how you started working with Ruby, when you started working with Ruby, those sorts of things. So, so let's let's uh, let's start from there, really, and, and tell me a bit more about about that. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, my um, my love for programming, as a lot of old folks, kind of like started um, started when I was young. I probably started programming when I was like in my very early teens. Um, I was coding some games in basic and then moved very quickly to like, at the time was visual basic was all the rage essentially just because you could drag and drop stuff and get something up on the screen, uh, quickly. I, I, I was always tinkering with one app or another. Usually the apps that were building were mostly related to a problem I had at hands. So for example, when I was a teenager, my mum, uh, who's, uh, she's, she's a cleaner and she had this interview to interview for like a, a job as a secretary. Um, so she would have to work on a computer and everything, which at the time was a new thing to her. Um, and she would have to learn how to type. So I coded these very quick games to teach her how to touch type essentially. Like it was a cat trying to catch a mouse and you had some phrases. And you would, uh, and you would, uh, the, the, the faster you type, the faster the mouse was moving or something like that. Um, nice. and it kind of got me into the, the realm of like building to solve a problem. Um, weirdly enough, I went through in a very early age, um, somebody was interested to buy that software and then we got to certain negotiations and stuff, stuff like that. It was selling through, through like families and friends kind of stuff. I got a post-it note application that was featured in one of those, like at the time we had a lot of reviews and, and magazines uh, talking about PCs and, and computer and new programs and sharewares and everything. That one was a license that was called a cardware. So essentially people had to, if they were using the software, they would have to send me a postcard of where they lived. I didn't know it was featured in this magazine because email was no big thing at the time. So nobody let me know that was featured there. But then all of a sudden I started to receive like tens of postcards every day from various places in France because it was a French yeah. magazine. So it was kind of like, it was kind of cool, but it was always attached to a particular problem I had at the time. That was my way of, of tinkering with, um, with things. Then I, uh, um, then I started to, I, I quit school and then I started to work as a freelance building at the time, like simple websites for businesses, like the web was booming. Everybody wanted a website, like every single person at the time, I rebuilt my own CMS thinking I was very clever um hmm. wordpress and all that didn't exist so essentially it was magical for people because they, they had a website and they could automatically change stuff without having to call me or pay me to change an image on the home page or whatever it was a very very simple very simple cms i completely missed the boat with like wordpress joomla kind of coming up i was um completely blinded by the fact that i was building a cms i don't <clears> need <throat> those tools and it turns out obviously <laughs> that was the wrong choice um, then I started to work a couple of years later, I started to work in a medical software company. And, um, the, the deal was that I was a PHP, like quite a senior PHP dev at the time. They 
just acquired a startup that had a heavy, uh, large PHP application, and we're going to work into like refactoring and and rebuilding some part of this uh, of this application. And the more the more I was building on this app, it was like essentially a CRUD application. And the more I was building on this app, and the more I was like there, there has to be something better to build these kind of things. And that's when like Ruby on Rails, which at the time was like Ruby on Rails version one point something, one point one, one point two, mm -hmm. um, started to come up like few various magazines and everything. And that's when I started to install rails. And since then I said, that's what I want to work on essentially. Like that's, that's the kind of software. That's the kind of ethos in building software that I want to embrace. I've tried wrongly. I've tried, so maybe we should rebuild the whole thing in rails. Um, that would have been terrible. Luckily I had a much more experienced and intelligent person uh, running the company uh that said no 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 we're not we're not rewriting um but but still rails was in the background i was tinkering along then i moved from france to the uk um i worked again another year here to settle down i worked another year with um with hp over here and then i started to work as a contractor in ruby on rails and i think since then so probably like 15 years ago 14 yes 15 16 years ago um ruby on rails has been probably the only thing i've been uh, i've been doing essentially um as we're going to talk about a bit more later after that i've, I've run a an agency and a consultancy that was focused solely on yeah. ruby and rails and, and it's been my passion i, I mean i I've, I've tried a lot of different things and i still can't shake the fact that as much as there are other tools that are very suited to like very um specific part of the web there's nothing better than rails essentially I, I, the new tools like Laravel and everything are fantastic if you are a PHP dev, but obviously coming from the like the, the muscle memory of knowing Ruby and all the paradigms of Ruby, there's nothing better than Ruby on Rails still to these days to build a new product, essentially. What what is it about Ruby and Rails that actually attracts you to um like like you said, you're going back to working with it or or always always working with it as opposed to moving on to something that's um you know like new kid on the block tech like go or whatever what is it about ruby that that is keeping you from moving away the the ruby itself so if we separate rails and ruby here for a second um mm. what's for me really attractive to ruby as a <clears throat> non so english is not my first language i'm french english is not my first language Sure. And I'm wondering if, if um, because the, the creator of Ruby, English was not his first language either, um, the, this, this idea that you can express yourself in very simple words that actually like the, you can almost read um, a Ruby code, a good written Ruby code, you can read it like you would read a book, essentially. It's, it's very explicit. When you, when you read Ruby code, even if you're not a programmer, um, you can roughly understand what's going on. Like sure. if, if mm -hmm. I give you a method and, and, and you know, roughly like a couple of, a couple of words that are important here, you can, you, it's written in a plain language. It's not written with cryptic functions name, like, um, PHP could be, or go whatever, like it's written in the plain Ruby, which makes it for me, extremely simple to approach, extremely simple to express yourself um and and as a as a non as a non um uh as a non-native english speaker yeah 
Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it also easier to 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 read other people's code. Essentially, it's not something it, you don't. It's a really bizarre thing where you don't have to learn something new. You kind of like go along with words that do make sense, and you express your code in words that do make sense. And that that's personally a feature I love of the language. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You mentioned um, you mentioned the agency that you started, um, which if people are listening or viewing or watching rather. Um, don't know it's it was called cookies cookies hq um tell tell us a bit more about starting you know when you so you you came to the uk you started um you started cookies and yeah tell us tell us a bit more about about that yeah i think there was there was a bit more so um first i started as a freelance so i was a i was a classic contractor doing ruby for other people Mm -hmm. Um, as I said early on, like I've always had a knack about um, solving problems and um, I started to have, I started to land myself as in Bristol, um, the, the the freelance where you would go to to build something new. So I was working very much in the startup ecosystem um, and my first contract as a freelance was with an, an established kind of like startup scale up. Um, but after that, every single contract I, sent, I, I seemed to land was like people that wanted a new thing, a new app. They wanted to build something new. They wanted to like have a prototype and try to go and raise money and and all this kind of jazz. Um, so I started as a contractor in 2009, but in 2011, after after two two years of uh, of contracting, um, my wife Natalie was uh, she was looking for a new job at the time. And she's uh, classically trained around like marketing. And I thought, well, look, I'm working with a lot of startups. These people essentially sometimes struggle to understand the basics of marketing, the basics of like how to measure whatever you're doing and where you're going with your your product. So I thought, why don't we start something together? You work on the marketing side. I work on the coding side. And essentially we have a new offering that at the time was not really, uh, really out there. This kind of like joint thing we never managed to do that um we never managed to have this kind of like uh, people didn't buy the whole thing like if i want a marketing agency i go and buy i, I go yeah. and work with a market yeah. agency or marketing freelance if i want a dev i want a good dev mm. essentially yeah but it turns out yeah. now's would not had been extremely good at everything around like being an md essentially um so we grew we took along we had some kids along the way so for the first uh, for the first couple of years of uh, of cookie's life it was very much a lifestyle business uh, in the sense that it was, um, I was not a freelance anymore. We had a couple of employees, but we were not rushing to grow. We were not looking for that like hyper growth at all cost. We were having kids. It was giving us a nice lifestyle. We were able to work with people that we really liked. Um, and, and that was it. Essentially that was cookies was going to tink along with, around like four or five people in the team and it was easy enough to support we had enough clients for everything but after probably um five years i would say so cookies lasted around 11 years in total but after five six years it started to grow beyond like the kids were there the kids were like established and and growing up um, and our desire to see what we could do next, like where could we go with um, with a larger consultancy, a larger company, was there. 
I tried early on to drive that growth and I've learned that I'm terrible at driving that growth because um, while I'm interested in everything marketing and business related, I'm, I'm really bad at focusing on something. And yeah. that's where Natalie stepped in as the role of the MD mm-hmm. and she put us in a trajectory that shows like these kind of like growth that we had over um, over a span of like three, four years, essentially. Um, so that's where that's where we kind of grew and, and we grew the company to be, uh, I think at the end, we were about 17, uh, 17 people or something like that um with a bunch of like front end back end um qa analyst and designers so it was it was a really cool it was a really cool team to work with and we were building some really amazing product like that's the thing with cookies we've always been quite picky about who we would work with um yeah and it worked really well for us because we managed to sometimes say no to things that we really don't want put us in a very tricky position but somehow magically around the corner like this new cool product appear and uh, and we we've been able to work on some really really nice startup with um, some amazing founders. And you so one of I know obviously because we we we've you know spoken and we know each other. But um, Amber, where you are CTO, was a client of yours. You built you built Amber's product, right? Yes. So the the whole transition. <laughs> so essentially, um, the, the the weird thing with an agency is. Um, while it's, uh, it's a good business to run an agency business. Um, and, and I know some people don't like it because you sell your time and now all the rages around monthly recurring revenues and having a product and all that. But I, I, I love, I love service business and, and you probably understand that as well. Yeah. Like this, this idea of service business is, I think sometimes overlooked, um, from a business perspective, it's easy enough to start It's a low cost and it's easy enough to scale to a certain point. The problem of um, the problem of uh, service business is uh, it's very difficult to exit, and uh, it, it's always very been very difficult for us to think about what could an exit looks like. We were in uh, two thousand and towards the end of two thousand and nine. We were starting to think about this mythical idea of like, okay, what if we wanted to exit? And clearly, uh, clearly, there was a couple of paths that emerged. The first one was uh, the first one was that um, we we've always had this dream that essentially at some point a client that we would have built the project on was going to raise some money and would acquire uh, would acquire cookies essentially and it would have to be like a, a project that we we believed on and all this kind of jazz but there was that mythical mythical thing early on. The problem is the more you grow, the less it makes sense for that to happen because uh, obviously they're not going to spend a lot of money buying a team where they don't need it. So that was kind of like in the back burner and we don't think it would have, it would have happened. Um, but we started to put in place, like we knew that the problem was that I was the face of cookies and that was a problem. We needed to remove me out of like the, the cookies face in order for cookies to be a brand and in order to like grow organically as a brand rather than like me growing me growing cookies um and and we started to put some managers in place and all that like as as typical organization would do um and we got we got contacted by another uh, ruby on rails consultancy in the uk um that made us an offer was interested to essentially join venture cookies and their and their company um and would have been like a a massive hundred people kind of um kind of um consultancy in the uk while it was interesting the offer was interesting we 
essentially, why would I work for somebody else doing what I do here? Like, I would have just continued doing yeah. that. But yeah. it's still it's still something that we considered extremely, extremely strongly. Um, but at the same time, uh, we were about to embark into the Amber project and the Amber founder, uh, Stuart Hamilton, um, he's been a client of us for like 10 years. He's been a, he's been a friend and he also knows a thing or two about business having, having done some pretty big exit in his time. Um, and I was talking to him about these, what was happening right now, the offer that we had from the, uh, the other agency. And, um, and we've always dreamt about doing something together. Like it's somebody that I respect extremely. Um, yeah. and I, I wanted to learn from him firsthand essentially. And that's when he came back and said, well, look, why don't we? Amber, the company, um, acquires cookies and, um, and we build Amber together. And I think it, it essentially he, he called us like, when I, I probably get the timing wrong, but he called us on the Friday afternoon with this idea, like setting the seed of the idea in our heads. And by the Sunday evening, after a few calls of the weekend, we were like, yep, yeah, let's do it. It, it makes complete Brilliant. sense. It was, yeah. it, was a, it was an interesting next move, completely unconventional. Mm. Um, it was an interesting next move so we could build what Amber is today, like this fantastic product that, that Amber is, something that we could never have dreamt if we were still just cookies essentially working as an agency on the product. Like we've been able to deep really dive into the product like you would never do with a consultancy. What's your, what's your preference, you think, on working agency where you're working on multiple products to, um, you know, working for a product company? Oh, that's interesting. So <clears throat> the the difference when you work for when you work on your own product uh, compared to a consultancy is that you you can deep really dive. You can allow yourself to really embrace the problems, try a few things out, um, and and hopefully like find a solution at the end and and apply the correct solution that you think of at the time. With a consultancy, it's a lot more related to time like everything is about everything is about how much you're going to get paid and how much money you're going to spend and that's where your profit is in is in the the differential between between the two so mm. i think that that idea of being able to deep dive into into problems is something i uh, i i really enjoy i do miss time to time the um yeah i do miss the um th there were two things obviously when i when i was running cookies with matt um I was handling multiple hats, which I've kind of lost, obviously, now being just simply the the, the CTO of Amber. Yeah. Of, yeah. Mm. I've lost the hat of like running a bit of the marketing, running a bit of the numbers and all that. Like, yeah. it, it's, that part is a bit lost. Um, and the fact that before there was always like a couple of projects on the go and, and my mind really likes this idea of moving from left to right and changing projects. Um, and for the early days of Amber, it was missing a little bit of that left and right thing, but the more we grow, the more we have now, and and that's what I probably missed early on. We now have multiple projects inside Amber, which kind of like um, quench my thirst of of looking for uh, that moving left and right, and and spending a morning on one problem, spending an afternoon on another problem, kind of thing. That's what we really like. So um, let's finish off by you telling us a bit more about. Um, the situation at Amber, if you guys are hiring, and obviously how people can get in touch with with you if they're interested in in hearing a bit more or, or talking to you directly. Yeah, sure. Um, so as far as Amber is concerned, uh, you can learn more by going to www.amber.co. Um, so that's A M 
ba.co. Uh, so that's the general kind of like marketing-ish uh, website. Uh, we have a career section over there where we will list uh, all our jobs. Um, currently, we have fulfilled every single job that we were uh, that we were looking for um, at the moment, but we are closing a new round of funding. So I would not be surprised if in the next couple of months, uh, we're going to have a little bit more offering open. I know that we want a designer to join our team. We probably would be looking at some point for a business analyst. And as you would expect, like a couple of developers, front end, back end, um, in order to keep in touch. And in order to know about that, obviously you can go through all the usual channels like following Amber, uh, the company Amber on LinkedIn or Twitter or these kind of things. You can also follow me personally. Uh, so I'm Nicholas Alpi on LinkedIn. I'm Nick Alpi on Twitter. Um, I'm Nick Alpi as well on Instagram, but I'm pretty sure you don't care about pictures of my kids. Um, but essentially I normally will put updates of what we are looking for on one of those channels, typically LinkedIn and Twitter. Sure. Uh, would be the same one. I am trying right now a new app called Substacks, um, which is very interesting, not for updates, but just as a general thing. So I may be a little bit more active over there as well, um, depending what's happening with the craziness of Twitter. Um, yes. But yeah, yes. essentially, Nick LP, Nicholas LP for my personal, and I will update you on what we're looking for for Amber. But as far as Amber is concerned, it's Amber.co or Amber on LinkedIn and uh, Go Amber on Twitter, I think. Perfect. Perfect. Brilliant. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have a chat with you today. Thank you. Likewise, it was uh, it was really nice. It's felt a, bit, felt a bit nervous going back behind the microphone like I did a, mm -hmm. a few of those podcasts, but I stopped for like a year, year and a half now. But it felt good. Uh, it felt good at the end. Good. Good stuff. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. You take care. Have a nice and day. And you. And you. Cheers.